please exhale. And now let's begin. Welcome to the Science of Light. I'm your host, Rosemary. If you're interested in exploring holistic wellness topics through a perspective that blends spirituality with science, I think you've found the right place. And I'm so grateful that you're here. Let's figure out this life thing together. Always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Hey there, friend. Welcome to another episode of The Science of Light. Pardon me for the gap in episodes. If you've been around for a while, you should probably be used to that by now. And I never feel any less bad about it um, because society, conditioning, whatever, about, um, you know, I should put out an episode every week. But that just has never been my rhythm since the beginning of this podcast. It's pretty much bi-monthly at this point. Um Yeah, but I do have some exciting episodes coming up for you. This one is a really good one to kick up, kick off um, a theme of mostly Ayurveda in August. So I've covered Ayurveda on this podcast before. I've done seasonally as the seasons shift and change into the different doshas. I have episodes going back. You could find them. Ayurveda for Pitta season is the most recent one. Um, Kappa season was the one before that in wintertime and then Vata season last fall. Um, so if you want to learn more about the doshas, uh, those which we touched on in this episode, those episodes um, are valid even not like so the doshas apply to more than just the season. So if you want to learn about a specific dosha, you can go back and find um, those episodes and you know what, I think I'm probably, I'm going to try to include that in the email newsletter this week. So if you're on my newsletter, uh, before it goes out tomorrow on Friday, I will include links to some more Ayurveda resources. Um, That's not necessarily a prerequisite for listening to this episode, because actually one of the things I love about this episode is that Mira, the guest, the wonderful guest, um, because I think this is a, a byproduct of the fact that she works with children, she explains it so well. And I just want to say, um, don't skip this episode just because you don't have kids. Like if you don't have kids or your kids aren't small or you don't have kids living with you, whatever, um, the tools we describe are really fantastic, or she describes, I should say, are really fantastic for adults. And it's packed with tips and really good explanations of Ayurveda and yoga therapy and just a ton of good info. And so some of her offerings that we discuss also in the episodes, like Anxious to Awesome, um, she has a book and a 21-day experience to work these practices into your life. They're directed at kids, but I think the episode you're going to get value from whether you have kids, whether you are a kid, which I always mark these episodes as explicit. So I hope you're not a kid listening to this by yourself, but it's okay um, (laughs) if you are. But um, anyway, so a lot of good Ayurveda and yoga explanations and techniques and explanations of anxiety from an Ayurvedic perspective. It's just a fantastic episode and I'm really excited that it is coming out now. So enjoy it and stick around until the end because if you are a regular Science of Light listener or even if you're not, I I imagine if you're listening to this um, because you know Mira, then welcome. I hope you enjoy. If you are a regular Science of Light listener, I do want to say stick around because I have an exciting announcement that I save for the end because it's going to make more sense after you've listened to the episode. So I hope you enjoy it. And buckle in, it's going to be an awesome episode with great tips. 
welcome to another episode of The Science of Light. I'm your host, Rosemary, and today I am joined by Mira Benzin. Hi, Mira. Hello. Okay, so I'm really glad you're here. Um, a yoga therapist, you know, you do you work with kids and families, and you are just so qualified, you know, so much stuff. I have a jillion questions. So can you just tell us what you do and how you got there? Tell us your story, your yoga story, perhaps. Sure, I'd love to share. So my personal journey with yoga began when I was in ninth grade. So I was about 14 years old, and I can't remember exactly how it happened. I think in a psychology class in school, or a friend mentioned yoga, and something in me really lit up. I was like, what is this? I happened to have a great library at the end of my street, so I could go there and check out books. There was a lot of books on yoga. This is a long time ago. <laughs> and uh, books like Be Here Now, Grist for the Mill, mm-hmm. Journey of Awakening by Ram Das. So really got into mm-hmm. the psychology of yoga. Yoga is like the original psychology and it really sparked something sure. in me. So my entree into yoga was not the physical practice, but the, the mental development aspect of it. So this was back in high school. And then my first yoga class was actually in 1991. I had gotten into a car accident and went to a chiropractor who recommended yoga as part of helping my body sort itself back out after that Mm -hmm. impact. And it was in my first yoga class, you know, led by a teacher where she had us do some work where we're holding our hands together but not touching. And it was the first time I felt my energy body. And I was like, whoa. So I was in, in full time. And then um, parallel to that, I was also working with kids with special needs, kids with um, sensory processing differences, kids with different disabilities, different mental health needs. And so they ran parallel for quite some time, Mm -hmm. my working with children and my interest in yoga. And then I went to India in 1995 as a developmental therapist with a degree in child psychology and a big interest in yoga. So I was traveling around India, taking all kinds of funny yoga classes, you know, like some people, Mm -hmm. they should not be teaching yoga. (laughs) And just had a real aha moment. I was on the rooftop of the hotel where I was staying, practicing yoga in the morning across the street from a palace that had been turned into an art museum. And as I was practicing yoga for myself, I just had a huge insight, like, wow, this is what children who have sensory processing differences really need. It's very integrating Mm. for the nervous system. And from that moment on, I was like, yoga for children, that's what I'm doing. And that's what I have been doing professionally most of my professional life. That's awesome. And I love that you say you entered more through the psychological side of yoga because that's just not in the US, not typical. So that's like really cool and awesome. And I'm glad to hear that. But also, could you say they were, you said the two things were running parallel. So it seems like, sounds like yoga was like a little bit more of a hobby at first. And then you realize how um, it could be beneficial in your professional life. And I love that too. Could you say a little bit more about how you got into working with children and psychology? Like what was your entrance? Was that like a passion project? Like how did you go down that path? how did you find yourself on that path? I've always worked with kids, you know, from babysitting as a kid myself, Mm -hmm. older kid babysitting younger kids. And then in high school, 
I was able to leave high school to go to what was then a separate school for kids with special needs and be a, an assistant there. And that really resonated with me. And so then I went to college and I got a degree in child psychology with the intention of working with children, but hadn't yet paired it with yoga. So I was working mm -hmm. as a developmental therapist, uh, specifically with kids with autism at that time. And then the yoga, again, was running parallel, and I didn't recognize how yoga could be the primary tool that I could mm -hmm. use to support child development. So, yeah. That's really cool. I've, I I've like worked that. as a developmental therapist since I graduated college, which was a super long time ago. <laughs> well, and then yoga has been I'm a part of that curious. since 1999. <laughs> when people seem so like, you know, that's why I like to bring people on this podcast that I do because – a lot of times they're like very passionate about their work. And one of the things I like to highlight is kind of how we find our way into, you know, our dharma, if you will, like your passion project that also the world needs totally. Like, I just like to see the different routes people take and things. So um, thanks for sharing there. So along the way, you've gotten like tons of, you got a degree first and now you're a yoga therapist, a CIAYT, which to folks that may not know, like I've spent a little bit of time talking about yoga therapy on this podcast because I'm going for that certification now. Um, could you say a little bit more about that, about, you know, your yoga therapist certification, how, how you work that into your practice and such? Yeah, I'd love to. And I actually spend quite a bit of time explaining the difference between a yoga teacher and yoga therapist. And a, a simple distinction is that a yoga teacher certificate is 200 hours to start and a yoga therapist certificate is a thousand hours to start. So mm -hmm. just by the number of hours, you can see that's much more involved. I also like to define it by the fact that in a yoga class, the students are following the teacher. The teacher has a set sequence that the students fit themselves into and yoga therapy mm -hmm. is the opposite of that. We're adapting the practice to that individual or that small group who have similar conditions. And so the, th the practice is adapted. Each and every tool is modified to suit that individual's constitution, according to Ayurveda, mm -hmm. and then their current imbalances. And so it's, it's highly individualized and specialized to be a yoga mm -hmm. therapist. And I did my yoga therapy training with integrative yoga therapy, which was run by Joseph LePage and Lillian LePage. And they recently um, sold it to Kripalu, which is a big yoga retreat center out East. Yeah. So that program has evolved mm -hmm. a little bit since I took it, but I, I loved it. It's a five kosha model, which recognizes the yeah. individual has having five aspects, you know, a physical aspect, an energetic aspect, two different layers of the mind. And then that most refined sense of self that, that makes up. And so when we're addressing all these different layers, we're really getting at a holistic approach to well-being. Yes. I love that. Thank you for that description because it's like, yeah, I spent a lot of time describing that too. And I love hearing it from your perspective because you said it in a different way than I do. And that's a really fantastic mm -hmm. description. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so you mentioned Ayurveda and that's, you know, it's like I think we hear yoga and in the West and we think like the physical practice, the yoga classes, but as yoga therapists and like with this heavy amount of training, we know that they're not isolated like yoga and Ayurveda. You, you 
pretty much, especially therapeutically, don't use one without the other. So could you say a little bit more about Ayurveda? I know you have an Ayurveda program. Yes. You want to say a little bit about that too? Yes. Uh, yoga and Ayurveda are sister sciences. The Ayurveda original nature-based health system from India helps correct imbalances. And yoga originally is to still the fluctuations of the mind, to become clear about the truth of who you are. Well, that's hard to do with a sore back or a cold or some chronic condition. So Ayurveda will use yoga technology, including the postures, the hand gestures, the breathing tools to help bring about balance. And then once you have that balance, you're free to pursue the path of yoga, of self-realization. Totally. I always love to tell my students, like, you know, being a vegan is not going to make you enlightened or like, you know, whatever, like the reasons we do that you see all these yoga teachers that are like, they're vegans and they um, do all this stuff. And it's like, well, that doesn't lead to enlightenment, but having like an upset tummy from eating crap food totally can be a distraction. You know what I mean? So that's what I like that distinction. That, yeah, like, that's a great way to say it. it. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not going to, doing these things isn't going to make you enlightened by itself, but not doing them certainly can distract you from it. Um, and I'm not, that's not a plug for being vegan or not. Cause I don't care, but, um, anyway, um, yeah. So you work with kids. Yes. A lot, but I know a lot of the people listening, they may or may not have kids. Um, and I think that like, so you take a whole family approach. Yes. I do or, like to teach entire families and a lot of adults also appreciate the, the simple childlike approach. I was teaching a group of teachers and in-service and they were a little bit resistant. You know, teachers have a lot on their plate. So like, I don't need another strategy in my classroom, but through the course of the day, they really mm -hmm. got into it because they were having a good experience of yoga and we were doing it in a playful way. And we were in the jungle and doing snake pose and tree pose, that kind of a thing. And the teacher, she was almost indignant. She's like, why don't they teach us yoga this way in our adult classes? Don't they understand that we need to have this playful approach too? So it's great for adults as well. And it's, it's simple and it's accessible and it's fun and engaging. And with the whole family, it's a little more complicated because there'll be a five-year-old child in the class with a 12-year-old mm -hmm. sibling and the mom and the dad who have different levels of uh, practice. And so there's a lot of modification that needs to be done. But my intention when I teach a whole group of varying ages and abilities is to just let everyone have an experience of well-being together. They might not do mm. any of those practices at home, but they'll have had that shared experience that they can re reference back to. Everybody gets to stretch. Everybody gets to relax. We do partner poses and play games that are connecting and, and they're having fun together. And so fostering that shared experience that, that they can take with them into their daily life, even if they don't do any of the practices at home, is really valuable for families. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And yeah, the shared experience. That's like that's another facet of wellness, right? Like just the community aspect, the fan like the being together the togetherness of it. That's a, a piece that mm -hmm. can't be ignored, you know. Um so what does it look like when people work with you? Like when you say you give them the practices, how like in what way is that, you know, delivered? 
several ways, either individually, one-to-one, where I'm working specifically with them. I do a lot of in-home with families. So I'll go into the family's home and work with one individual child. Oftentimes the sibling will join just because they want to be in on the fun. I've worked with a lot of kids where having that sibling participate promotes their participation. I've also worked with Mm -hmm. families where having the sibling there is a massive distraction and then I'll kick them out. (laughs) They have to go somewhere else while we're doing the practice. I've worked with families where uh, the parents will participate. I worked with a family, the dad was a pilot, an airline pilot. So he was gone a lot of the times, but whenever he was home, he would join us. And that was kind of a special event. Like, oh, dad's joining us for this one. So we'd, they'd show their dad all the things that they had been doing with me. So I like to work with families individually at home. Lately, it's been online. I work with teens individually and in groups. There's a real high need for these tools for teens as well. And then I also teach group classes. And we have a really fun 20 to 21 day online course that we just created specifically called anxious to awesome. So with that, mm-hmm. there's on demand videos that are delivered each day. So families can do these practices for themselves at home. And that's the trickiest bit for a lot of people is to how do we incorporate this into our day to day life, you go to a class and you feel great, right. but you have no idea how to translate that into your day to day life. And that's when the benefits are really there is when it becomes a part of our routine, just like brushing your teeth. I always ask kids, who Mm -hmm. brushes their teeth? Oh, you brush your teeth, right? So that's a simple practice that we do on a daily basis because we know it supports our well-being. Same with sitting and meditating for two minutes or doing some breathing techniques. So really helping Mm -hmm. families get the habits and the routines into their data life is really my big focus right now. That's so cool. And that's really what yoga therapy is all about really is like, like you said earlier, like making the practice fit your life and what you have going on and taking it into a, like, it doesn't have to look like an hour long practice every single day of your life. Like we can figure out things that, that work within your life and that's going to look different for everybody. So that's, what's kind of tough is because we're all looking for like the answer. We want somebody to like, tell us the answer and really yoga therapy is more about like, inquiring within and seeing like what the answer for you individually is going to look like. Um, so I really want to find out more about your anxious to awesome program because I, I think, um, that's valuable. Like you were saying to more than just children, like it's valuable to a lot of us. We're in kind of a high Vata time in general in the world right now, which we can dig into more of what that means and more of, um, kind of some of those tools, perhaps, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us. Um, but I know you've been doing that work for a long time. Like this 21-day program isn't – maybe it's a new form, but it's not new work, correct? Yes. Anxiety is the number one mental health challenge in the world today. And this wow. this statistic came out before March 2020. So we know that that has accelerated and that everyone is dealing with a degree of anxiety that's disrupting the quality of life. So anxiety is a normal human emotion. We all experience anxious feelings. 
when it needs to be addressed is when it starts to disrupt your quality of life. And for me, that's, that's the indicator. We don't need a diagnosis. We don't need um, a name for a condition, but if there's something going on in your life and it's preventing you from being able to go to school or it's preventing Mm -hmm. you from enjoying social activities, then we need to address it. And that's really what's happening for a lot of people with anxiety. It's, it's debilitating. You know, there's, kids aren't going to school. It's been two years and there's kids who are just, they're not participating in school. It's, it's a, it's a serious problem. And yeah, there's a lot of fun tools. I would be very happy to share one. Um, we use a lot of the hand gestures, the mudras from the yoga tradition and oh. kids love these. And I always say, Oh, you've always yeah. got them in your pocket. You know, you can whip them out and do them anytime. So one that we like to do is called turtle in a shell. And what you do is you put your thumb across the palm of your hand. Sometimes I say, put the hot dog in the hot dog bun and then fold your four fingers over your thumb. That's the bun uh-huh. and your thumb is the hot dog. So then you turn your palms face down and place them on your lap. So thumb is inside mm-hmm. the hands with your thumb, your fingers loosely wrapped around your thumb. And as you hold your hands in that position, you want to kind of be sitting tall and closing the eyes if that feels comfortable or just looking straight ahead Notice how that feels in your body. You always have sensations going on in your body and these hand gestures or mudras direct that energy. So notice what that's Mm -hmm. like for you. And then also notice the quality of your breath. Your breath is changing in response to that energy signature of the hand gesture and notice the quality of thoughts in your mind. When I teach these to kids, I have a six-week course called Anxious to Awesome. And this nine-year-old girl, I hadn't described how it makes you feel. I just showed them how to do it. And while this girl, nine-year-old girl was holding this turtle in a shell, she said, oh, this is great. When I'm holding my hands in this position, I feel stable and I feel strong. I know I'm going to use this the next time that boy in school is bothering me. So she Mm -hmm. has anxiety at school. There's a boy in her class that's teasing her about being anxious, which is making it worse. She recognized that energy signature of the turtle in the shell hand gesture. And she also recognized where she wanted to feel that way. So that's the great thing about teaching kids is they're very adaptive right away. They know how to apply it in their life. Then the next week, this girl comes back to class and we do a check-in. That's part of the therapeutic process, right? Totally. What have you been doing? How's your week? She's like, oh, I do this all the time. The turtle in the shell mudra. I taught my sister and now she does it all the time. I taught my best friend and now she does it all the time too. So it's contagious, right? These kids are spreading these hand gestures around and everybody's benefiting from something that's so simple and really has an impact. So that's just an example of a a really simple and effective tool. And there's no side effects. There's no addictions. There's nothing you need to worry about as they're growing. It's something that they can take with them as part of a healthy lifestyle. Totally. That's so empowering. And I love that. It's something like, like if you're, whoever's listening to this podcast could totally just like try that, you know, where they are, whether you're driving or like, just take one hand and do it. And it's like, it's such a simple practice that you can do anytime, anywhere. Nobody even has to know you're doing it. Like, I think that's one thing, like a common misconception is like, we think, oh, yoga practices, how am I going to, like, what yoga practices can I incorporate in my life? And we think of like warrior two and like all the poses, you know? And so I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's super helpful to highlight a super simple, very potent practice that can be done anywhere. Nobody even has to know you're doing it. You know what I mean? And that's just such a good example of, um, Mm -hmm. of, 
the skill of finding practices that can work for people in their life and bring like the magic of this practice off the mat and into all aspects of a person's life and being and, and to improve well-being. So um, I love that. What a good example there. Um, could you say a little bit more? Um, we kind of like talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but uh, you were mentioning like the Ayurveda of anxiety. Could you say a little bit more about that? Mm. Yes. Uh, according to Ayurveda, we are made up of the same five elements that all of life is. Mm-hmm. Earth, water, fire, air, and space. And this is a beautiful system for children. Everybody can see a tree and understand how a tree is rooted to the ground and is stable and strong and holds place for others and and all of these qualities of earth. So we have these qualities of the five elements in our mind and in our body and throughout our Mm -hmm. daily routines and in the food that we eat. And so with anxiety, it's so, so these five elements are combined into three types or constitutions called doshas. And I'm sure your listeners are familiar with this. Uh, Vata, pitta, and kappa. And anxiety is a vata imbalance. There's too much air. There's too much space. The mind is going up and out of the body. The mind is in the past, in the future, not present. And so to balance for that, we want to bring in more earth. We want to bring in stability, So that can look like doing yoga postures like triangle pose and warrior two wide leg standing poses are stabilizing. And then holding Mm -hmm. that pose longer brings in more of that stable earth energy. So with the kids, we'll set a timer and we'll do a one minute challenge. And there's something about setting a timer that all of a sudden makes it super fun and engaging. So can we do it? And then we count down the last 10 seconds together, that kind of a thing. And then, um, you know, like plank pose, holding plank is another example of stable earth energy. And so that that's really the basics of anxiety and Ayurveda. And another aspect is too, we have different flows of energy in the body, pranavayus mm-hmm. for those of you <laughs> yeah. in, in, in school for this kind of thing. But the, the centering energy at the navel center, this bringing everything together, this focusing energy is also something we want to promote and support. So when you're feeling anxious, you're scattered and we want to reverse mm-hmm. that and bring energy in towards center. So that same plank pose that provides the stability of earth also promotes that centering energy, that Samana Vayu in the navel center. So when you understand the, the science from Ayurveda and yoga, then we can apply these to bring about balance. And so yeah, anxiety is too much air, too much movement, too much mind. We want to go into the body. So lots of embodied practices. And that's where I rest yoga nidra comes in. That's another tool. Mm-hmm. And that really helps us to be embodied. We do a lot of body scanning just to be more aware of the body. Like, oh, that's right. I have a body. And oftentimes that body yeah. is very physically tense. One mm-hmm. of the first physical symptoms of anxiety is muscular tension that often will show up in the side body. So it's hard to take a breath when you're anxious and someone says, take a deep breath. You're like, I physiologically cannot take a deep breath. There's so much tension right. in the diaphragm, the main breathing muscle and the side ribs that you physically can't take a deep breath. So stretching the body, twisting the body to open up so that we can breathe because a deeper breath 
is going to send a message to the nervous system to come down off of that stress response. So we have this wonderful intelligent alarm system in our body that helps us to be alert, that helps us to take action and also leads us towards anxious feelings. And sometimes that alarm gets stuck in the on position, or Mm -hmm. sometimes people have a more sensitive alarm system to begin with, and they're more prone to having that alarm go off. And so working on practices that, that bring us back into rest and digest mode are also a big part of, of working with anxious feelings. You just said so much good stuff in there. Um, I'm just going to like kind of sit with it for a second because that was a lot. Like I, I want to hear more about yoga nidra because that's important. Um, but then also you were talking about the like rest and digest mode and the nervous system kind of stuff. Um, so like for people that have been listening to this podcast for a while, like one of my areas that are, I, I guess I could say my area of expertise is like yoga for trauma and a lot of trauma is is about, you know, reconnecting to your body and your emotions because when you go through trauma, it, and to make a long story short, disconnects you from those things. So like you were saying, when people are like told to just take a deep breath, they're like, that doesn't make sense to me. And they don't know why they're like, I can't. And I just, I, it feels inadequate. Like, I don't know why I can't do that. Um, so you said a lot of really good stuff in there and really good tools. I would encourage people if they've ever, had that experience to just listen to that part again, you know, because there was a lot of good stuff in there, like, you know, stretch and open. So then you can, but then that comes back to the yoga nidra. So I do know also for folks with anxiety, sometimes yoga nidra or like, uh, so let's get in a second, a little bit more about what yoga nidra is, because I think some people may not even fully know. Um, but it can seem daunting. It's like basically a 20 minute or longer sitting still and meditating kind of to probably not do it justice with that description. Um, but so that can sound daunting <laughs> to somebody with anxiety, right? But it is a really good and proven mm-hmm. tool for folks. So can you just say more about what yoga nidra is, why it's good for anxiety, etc.? Absolutely. But before that, I'd love to give another tool to work with the breath. So one of the Mm. easiest things we can do to start to feel the breath and start to open up the breath is to lay down on the floor, belly down. So on a firm surface, not your bed, your bed's too squishy, but to lay down on the floor, belly down, we call it crocodile breath. So you stack one hand on top of the other, turn your head to rest a cheek on your stacked hands. Now you've got the whole entire floor for feedback And as Uh you breathe out, you can let your body settle, get a little bit heavier. And then as you breathe in, you're going to find it's easier to feel a deep abdominal breath and also to promote that deep abdominal breath. So set your timer for two minutes, lay down on the floor. If your neck feels uncomfortable, turn your head to the other side. You know, you can do that a few times. And as you continue to breathe with your belly against the floor, your body will open up. It's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like when you're swimming and you get to the side of the pool and then you can kick off the mm-hmm. wall of the pool. You've got that resistance. Otherwise you're just kind of floating in the water. It, that's kind of what, what the floor is doing for your respiratory system. And so if someone is having restricted breathing or they're like, don't tell me to take a deep breath because it doesn't work. That crocodile right. breathing belly down on the floor is a really effective strategy. And it becomes really beneficial when you do it every day. 
set your uh-huh. timer for two minutes, lay on the floor and feel your breath, focus on exhaling more. You know, if I could get everybody on earth to do this one strategy every day, we would see yeah. a shift. I love that. I might even That's try to incorporate that in my <laughs> like uh, adult mm-hmm. classes. You know what I mean? Because I think that, that it's oh, good yeah, for several for reasons. Any age. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, because we're, we're used to thinking that we have to be like sitting up tall on our meditation cushion, all pretty to do our deep breathing. And that's just, first of all, absolutely not true. Mm-hmm. Like there's lots of ways it can look like laying on your belly. Um, and then also biofeedback, like mm-hmm. you were saying, the floor provides that feedback. Like I think we hear biofeedback and we're like thinking of electrodes and like science and whatever, but we can use our hands, we can use a wall, we can use the floor, things like that to provide us biofeedback, which what that does is helps us get back into our bodies and bring awareness to somewhere it wasn't before, which is kind of the idea between reconnecting, you know, for reconnecting to our bodies, which I often say in a frame of like to heal from trauma, but here you're showing it's also good for anxiety. So that's cool. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Beautifully said. Our culture does not promote awareness and embodiment. Our culture promotes thinking and not Mm -hmm. feeling. And so no one's taught how to have body awareness. No one's taught to honor this incredibly intelligent body that we all get to travel around in in this lifetime. So it is a skill that we all need to learn. It is. And, For sure. Yeah. And, th- and that brings us to yoga nidra because you don't have to sit up tall on a pretty cushion to do yoga nidra either. You can right. do it in any position. You can do it standing, walking, sitting, lying down. I worked with a group of kids in Chicago where I lived for several years. These children were recent immigrants. They were coming from all over the world, mostly war-torn areas where they lost their home for one reason or another, and they landed in the city of Chicago in pretty rough neighborhoods because of their economic situation. And they would come to an after-school program that we had, and it was a two-hour program. So six to 12-year-old kids for two hours, you might be thinking, well, what are they doing for two hours? Well, 20 minutes of it was usually yoga nidra. So you think these kids who are not well-regulated, not first-language English speakers, not familiar with each other, or how are they going to settle down for this kind of a deep guided relaxation, which is one way to talk about yoga nidra. But Mm -hmm. these kids loved it so much because the way I like to describe it is I'm basically holding your hand through the meditative process. When you sit Mm -hmm. to meditate on your own, it's easy to get lost in the jungle of your own mind. (laughs) But when you've got a guide to, to direct you to the next step, then you're able to get into a deeper meditative state because you've basically got a tour guide (laughs) the whole time. And so with these kids, I was able to guide them into a state of relaxation that they just weren't able to experience in their day-to-day life because they were on guard all the time. They had so much uncertainty in their lives and they loved it. They craved it. They wanted to do it all the time. It was their favorite part of class. And we played a lot of fun games in that class, but they still really loved this guided meditation process called Yoga Nidra. And it really resolves a lot of the the imbalances that we have in our physical body, in our energetic body, in our mind, and our emotions. It's a it's a beautiful journey of self discovery, and we really do need a guide. It's hard to go out there, you know. Think about traveling anywhere. If you don't know where you're going, you can feel overwhelmed and lost and not really up for the endeavor. But when you've got someone who's been there and they can take you to all the best spots. and invite you into your own experience, then it becomes very accessible. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
I love that. And like you said, having a guide for meditation, I think there's this a misconception about meditation that like, oh, I can't do it because I can't sit still. Kind of like you were saying with the taking a deep breath. Um, it's not that you can't do it. It's just that you, as of right now, don't know how, right? It's the same idea. Um, and this this common misconception about meditation that it's about not thinking, but it's where it's rather, it's less about not thinking and more about not just getting totally lost in that jungle of your thoughts and guiding your awareness and being a witness to your awareness. So that's, you know, a skill to learn. And Yoga Nidra is a beautiful entry into that because it also so beautifully reconnects us to our body and our just all the layers, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. the Pancha Maya Kosha model, the, the five layers, five energetic bodies, you know, yeah. we have, we all have. Um, yeah. And I think that's awesome to hear that it works for anxiety too, because I think that's, you know, a common, a common thing I hear for folks that do feel anxious a lot or suffer from anxiety. They're like, oh, I just can't slow down. I can't sit still. I can't, you know, is that something you hear a lot too? Yeah. There's some, there's several tools we can use to make that practice more accessible. One is to make your body physically very comfortable. If that means Mm -hmm. you're snuggled up on your favorite chair with your favorite blanket, then that's the position for you to start the practice of yoga nidra. Weights are very beneficial. I think you can buy weighted blankets like at any store now. Mm -hmm. It's really become a thing, but that physical weight on your body will give you that sense of pressure, which is feeding information to your nervous system that like, oh, here's my body. Here I am. And so when you're anxious, you're in many ways out of body. So physical weight can be helpful. With kids, I'll just take one of those sandbags and put it across their thighs and they'll physically sigh. They're like, ah, oh, when I, when they get that weight yeah. on their body. So like, oh, I just landed back in myself. We also do a technique called tense and release where we tense our muscles, adding in tension. And then when you release, you release the tension you added plus residual tension that had already been there. So that's another way to feel more comfortable in your body as you begin the practice. And there's one technique that Richard Miller, who's the founder of iRest Yoga Nidra, mm-hmm. which is a standardized protocol of the traditional practice of Yoga Nidra, he added in a component because he was working with people who've been exposed to trauma. And he he saw that as they got into this journey, into the jungle of your own mind, shall we say, the jungle of your own body sensations, that sometimes people came upon something that was overwhelming and they weren't mm-hmm. ready to meet it. They weren't ready to be with it. And so he added a piece called an inner resource. So before we even yeah. get started with the other parts of the yoga nidra practice, we help people cultivate a felt sense of, of well-being and safety and ease. And that's a real key component. So if you mm-hmm. are a person with anxious feelings and you get into the practice of yoga nidra and it starts to feel overwhelming or uncomfortable, or you just want to get out of there, you've got this inner resource developed where let's say I have a hammock in my backyard and I love it. And I've got some white stones that I've gotten from the shore of Lake Michigan, which is a really special place for me. And so when I'm there, I have a sense of being held. I have a sense of safety. I have a sense of I'm, I'm really able to relax here and I can be who I am without any worries or concerns. And so that's something we work on. And with kids, I have something called the magic carpet ride and we get on our magic oh. carpet and we go to our inner resource. We, we go there every time. They're like, are we going to go on the magic carpet today? So I'm helping them week after week after week 
develop a sense inside themselves that I feel good. I can go to my special place. I don't need my magic carpet to get there. I can just recall what it feels like and, you know, what, what it smells like and what it looks like and have that embodied experience of safety and well-being. So that's a real key component. And and Richard yes. Miller was very wise to recognize the necessity for it and to put for that sure. practice into play. So one of the differences with yoga nidra with children is I'll do each individual component as a standalone practice. You know, that's why a full yeah. practice can take 20 or 30 minutes because you're going through the physical body. After you've developed an inner resource, then you do some breath counting, then you go into the emotional body. And so it's, it is quite a journey. And for kids just taking out and doing one piece, just body scanning or just the inner resource is rich. Yeah, for sure. That is, yeah, there's a lot to that. And that's, that is a very beautiful practice. So is that, um, do you, you find yourself using that like most of the time folks or is that a common one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just wrote a book called anxious to awesome. It's very practical. And I just mailed it Mm -hmm. to Richard Miller, who's my teacher. I'm a certified IRS teacher. And I can't wait for him to read it because he's going to see like underneath these really simple concepts. It's like yoga nidra, yoga nidra, yoga nidra. You know, it, it doesn't Mm -hmm. look like it because I'm just talking about you know, when a negative thought comes up and you're worried, see if you can swap it out for a positive thought. You know, this comes from the yoga tradition, Prakshabhavana, like mm-hmm. changing your your orientation to the world, basically. And so, yeah, it's it's sprinkled in, even when we're not lying down, being guided through a relaxation. The yoga nidra um, experience of welcoming in what is, yes, all the time, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, and Pratipaksha Bhavana, like you said, is also very analogous to CBT, right? I get I get the letters mixed up of like real therapy, like talk therapy, you know, yes, cognitive, cognitive behavioral, behavioral therapy. therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get that one mixed up with CBT. And that's one of only two strategies. Yeah, that's one of only two strategies that are recognized as effective for anxiety, and they're only like 50% effective. So there's cognitive behavioral therapy and there's medication. Mm-hmm. Both have their limitations. And so yoga is a very nice complement to whatever else yeah. you're doing because it's a lifestyle. It's a practice for living well in the world, whether you're trying to address a specific condition or not. So it's a right. holistic approach to your mental health that that is that's more holistic, you know, because cognitive behavioral right. therapy, when you're thinking about your thoughts, you're not getting at your your amygdala, which isn't in the language center of your brain. This is pre-language. Your your fight or flight, your emergency alarm in your brain is pre-language. So talking about it doesn't really get at it. That's why, as you know, when we're addressing trauma they're finding that the best practices are physically based practices, specifically yoga, because you're getting at the body, which is pre-verbal. Yeah. And then linking it to the mind, because it's like a lot of people find a lot of value in just working out or something. And that is great to like move the body or dance or something. But uh, something about the practice of yoga in the fact that the, kind of whole point is to become more embodied and link your mind to your body with your breath. It's just like it beautifully connects the two. It's like we can't have one without the other. Like we don't want to just do an embodied practice. We need to 
then create that sense of safety, like you mentioned, in our mind and take that, you know, so that we're not like having to keep go through the same cycles because we're not making that link. Right. That's, yeah, that's everything right there. It's all about awareness. You can Mm -hmm. exercise, you can run down the street or you can run down the street and be aware of the weight of your feet as they fall onto the ground. You can be aware of how your breath changes as you run, you know, so that awareness is what really makes it beneficial. Yeah. And I would argue that, that running in that way, like makes it yoga. You know what I mean? Like we have this concept of yoga that Mm -hmm. it's like a certain thing, but really it's like just anything you bring more awareness to. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's beautiful. I love that. Um, and so you just, so this anxious to awesome work is like, you've been doing it for a long time. It's shown up in a lot of ways. You have the, um, a challenge or a 21 day journey, you call it. Yes. And then you've just released a book mm-hmm. and there's, so there are several ways it sounds like for folks to kind of access this work. Yeah. Yes. Anxiousawesome.com is our website and there you can buy the book. You can get some free tips on feeling less anxious and more awesome you can find out about our next 21 day journey, which is October. We're doing a back to school mini, like a three day. Ah. Here's some tools for back to school because a lot of kids need support around school. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's a biggie right now. I mean, that's a biggie normally, but then right now as people are kind of navigating, like yeah. you mentioned earlier, returning or not returning. I hear it. I mean, my kids aren't school age yet. Like they're young, but I hear it from other, you know, parents that I know navigating that is a, a challenge. It's like, what's, what's the right thing to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's so, really good research that shows that your prefrontal cortex isn't working when you're stressed out. So you've got stressed out kids sitting in school and they can't learn. They can't access the learning function mm, in their brain. So it's like, it's a pretty wow. serious issue. Yeah. So, yeah. If So I would plug that if folks have children that are struggling, that jump on that challenge sounds like a great tool to, like I said, like all the, all this information's out there, but it's super helpful to have a guide to help you apply it to life, which is what that challenge sounds like it is to help you build exactly. it into your life. You've got all these tools and everything's sort of, parts and pieces. So it's Mm -hmm. a mindset about what anxiety is, how it shows up in your life, empowering people with self-understanding, like how your nervous system works. We talk about it as becoming the captain of your own ship, you know, Mm. having that um, autonomy, that sovereignty. And so having a system and how to put those tools into place and developing the habits to have that system work in your life. Everybody's got a different kind of a morning routine. Everybody Mm -hmm. has different goals. I mean, we have the same goals to, to be well and to be happy and to be loved and to be safe. And beyond that, you know, how do you, how do you want your life to look at what does awesome look like to you? And so we really support families with mm-hmm. getting clear about what matters to them, making choices based on what matters. Cause a lot of times we're getting pulled along by other people's agenda, the, the schedules mm-hmm. that we commit to, the the choices we make oftentimes are coming from outside. So helping families get clear about what's important to you, what's important to your family, 
And then how can we put these tools into your life on a day-to-day basis so that you can be who you came here to be? It sounds grandiose, Mm -hmm. but that's why we're here is to live and thrive and be who we were meant to be. And stress and anxiety and the busyness of life can really get in the way of that. Absolutely. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, basically. I mean, that's what Mm -hmm. I spend yeah, the, all my time on this podcast discussing just from different angles. It's like what, you know, wellness is, we're all yeah. after wellness, but what the recipe can look a lot of different ways. And it's all about finding out what mm-hmm. that looks like to any one individual. And that's why yoga, if I could sum this whole conversation and podcast up into like one sentence or paragraph, that'd be it. Um, but so do you have any final thoughts you want to leave us with? or anything we missed that you want to make sure we cover anything like that? I want people to understand how much agency that they have and how Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a huge lifestyle overhaul in order to start to use this technology to improve the quality of life. You know, our morning practices in this 21 day journey, they're under 10 minutes. They're six minutes to 10 minutes because people don't have any more time than that in the morning. So in six minutes, you can start to strengthen and tone your nervous system. In six minutes, you can start to train your mind to sit and stay like a puppy. In Mm. six minutes, you can do some things with your body that help you feel your body, that help you recognize when different sensations and moods and emotions are arising and make an informed choice about how you want to respond to that. So that's the main thing I want to leave people with is that you can do it and you can do it in less time than you probably are imagining. Like you say, I don't have an hour and I don't know what to do in that hour, but that it's like brushing your teeth. You're brushing your teeth. You learned how to do that. You can also learn to meditate and regulate your breath and all these other wonderful tools from the yoga tradition. I love that. That's so valuable. And thank you for sharing all this awesome wisdom with us today. And I hope if anybody here listening is struggling with that or their children are, that they'll check out your work more in depth because it's fantastic. So I will link all the things we talked about in the show notes, of course. Thank you so much for being here and sharing with us today. Thank you, Rosemary. It was a pleasure being here with you. You made it to the end. And I promise if you were listening in the beginning that I would have a special announcement, mostly directed at regular Science of Light listeners, because if you are here because you know Mira and you're listening to the episode to hear more about her and her wonderful offerings, um, then I hope that any of you, whether you know whether you're coming because you know me, Rosemary, listen to the Science of Light, or because you know Mira, I would hope that you would check out Anxious to Awesome, especially if you have kids. But if not, I this has been a long time in the works, especially if you've been listening to this podcast for a while. You know, I've been in a yoga therapy training. Um, and now I've reached, because I've been in it so long, towards the end of a training like this. And really, you know, any kind of thing, any kind of clinical training, you usually have to do some kind of supervised practicum under the guidance of your teachers. And well, I am there now to do practicum for my yoga therapy and I was keeping it sort of separate from the podcast because originally I wanted it to be mostly in person Um, but I have since 
received a lot more training to make me more effective delivering this online. So I'm really excited to announce that if you would like to sign up for yoga therapy with me, I am now accepting yoga therapy clients. And um, so it's still a little bit, I'm still working through the tech of it. So I can't just give you a link where you go sign up yourself, but it's such a personalized experience that I would hope that if you're willing to work one-on-one with me in that way, that you'd be okay with sending me an email to get set up because, so that's, that's just how it's going to be while I, um, work through some of the tech. So that's some of the stuff I've been working on while I've been a little bit scarce, um, in the, in the back end, even since I've been back from maternity leave. So send me an email if you're interested, just some, some quick couple details, um, the first session will always be 90 minutes. We can do it over Zoom, or if you're in local to Asheville, we can meet in person. Um, but 90 minutes for the first session, I will send you an intake form to fill out before that session with enough time, hopefully, before that I can review it so I can be prepared for your session. Um, and then, so I'll email that to you. You can send it back to me, and then we'll come and we'll have your intake session where we'll be able to go over all of that stuff that you filled out in the form and do a practice, and you get homework. And then ideally, um, you can go one at a time with the sessions if you do want to just try it out because even just one session can be really powerful to help you like work through some things, and you do get to leave it with a home practice that, that will be tailored to your needs. Um kind of like what what we described what anxious to awesome is um but then ideally they run in six or eight session packages and i do have package deals for that and um i'm gonna offer a special discount if you book from this podcast episode so just email me and just mention somewhere in there um that you heard i was opening for clients on the podcast so so that i know and we'll we'll talk whether you want a package or just one session. You want to try it out. Um, it will be twenty percent off of the regular price. So just email me rosemary at yogiscopes dot com r o s e m a r y at y o g i s c o p e s dot com, and we can make a beautiful home practice tailored to your unique Ayurvedic constitution, even your birth chart if you're interested in incorporating that. Um, and your own, we all have postural imbalances and things, um, and just stuff going on in your life. And we incorporate all of that in and we make a unique plan for you so that you can really heal and reach your goals. So that's it. I hope to see y'all in some one-on-one sessions soon. Please remember to always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars and stay in the light until next time, friends.